Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Hello, I am Dan from Desert Island Dicks, which is this podcast that you are listening to. And today's episode features Olaf Falafel. He's an author, illustrator and stand-up comedian. Uh, He's in Edinburgh this year. He's got a show for kids and a show for adults. And he's got some books out as well for kids, uh, which look very good indeed. Uh, I hope you enjoy this chat with him and I hope you enjoy this podcast in general. Thank you to everyone who's downloaded this. Thank you for listening. And uh, thanks to those of you who have subscribed and uh, left reviews and things like that. It's always very much appreciated. Um, If you're a new listener, then hello. I hope you enjoy this podcast as well. I hope everyone enjoys it, basically, I suppose is what I'm saying. I'm not feeling very articulate today, but uh, hey, look, luckily I was a bit more articulate, I hope, in this podcast. So let's get on with it. Here it is, Olaf Falafel on Desert Island Dicks. Hi, I'm Dan Benedictus and welcome to Desert Island Dicks, the show that sees you marooned on a desert island after a plane crash with the worst people and worst things imaginable. Who they are and why they're a dick is up to our guest and here to share their Desert Island Dicks with us today is comedian, author and illustrator Olaf Falafel. How are you? I am very well, really actually tired, tired at the minute. <laughs> it's, been, <laughs> it's been a weekend of football and celebrating my team have made it to the premier league for the first time ever so and they they've just had a like a celebration through the town luton town football club great yesterday we had like an open top bus and i mean the the whole weekend has been quite alcohol heavy <laughs> fair enough oh it must be a good feeling though i mean i'm from leicester and uh, leicester just got relegated so if i was if i was a proper football fan I'd, I'd be at the other end of the spectrum from you but i'm i'm very much a fair weather fan probably not even that to be fair so i'm disappointed for them but i'm i'm okay but yeah it must be amazing to see your your town just united in a huge celebration like that yeah, I think that was the the overwhelming feeling of being at Wembley as well. Just seeing people from sort of all walks of life. Luton's very uh, it's it's very much a diverse town uh, with huge sort of white, black, Asian, uh, Eastern European populations. And I saw people that I've seen because I, I've with my books that I do, I visit a lot of schools. And so I saw a lot of teachers, a lot of mums, a lot of parents that I'd seen at various places. Uh, so yeah, it was it was really nice. It was a lovely day, lovely day for the town, and the result was amazing. Now I hope we're not going to sort of rain on your parade too much, your literal open topped bus parade, yeah. uh, by talking about the people and things that you hate. Uh, was this was this? A, I mean, how did you approach the task? Was it an easy task? Like- oh no, I, I found it really difficult. I found it really difficult. I, I I don't know whether it says something about me, but even things like foods, I've, I struggle to find stuff I hate. I eat a lot. And I'm not particularly choosy. Uh, and then in terms of people, I thought, well, there's no one that I genuinely hate. So I think the people that I've picked are more people that 
I would find annoying to be on a desert island with rather than people that I've actually met and know and hate. So a disclaimer, anyone who's listening to this, if I say that I hate you, I don't actually hate you. Because <laughs> <laughs> I find it can go two ways. Sometimes people find it difficult because they generally don't hate things or people that much. And sometimes people find it difficult because they hate so many things and people. So it can, but I mean, we're on the more positive end of the spectrum. Let's get going and see, see how we get along then. Um, right. Who's the first person going to be stuck with you on the island? The first person I would uh, hate to be stuck on a desert island, I think would be Alan Sugar. Mm, yes. And it's, it's generally because of the jokes, <laughs> the bad jokes. And I know there's probably someone writing them for him, but I've got the feeling he's the kind of person who thinks that he could do them himself. They're bad jokes anyway. So, uh, and I can just imagine I'd be there fishing or, I, I don't know, I'd be trying to do something on the island and he'd be berating me and but he'd be slipping in a really bad joke. Like, I, I don't know, if I was trying to fish and I wasn't very good, he'd be like, you for the hook or something like do you know what i mean it'd just be constant every time i'm trying to start a fire he'd be making some well yeah you're fired mm. that's not a fire you're fired yeah um and i probably would end up killing him and it probably wouldn't be good enough the way i killed him and he would berate me for the way that i've actually tried to murder him <laughs> yeah i can imagine like he does have people writing his jokes they're probably i bet he always goes wait, I've got a better idea. How about we do this? Yeah. And they're going, yeah, um, it doesn't quite make sense that way. You know, like, there's a, I haven't watched The Apprentice in years, but I remember at the beginning, he'd always go, oh, I don't want any steady eddies or cautious carols. And you're like, cautious carol isn't a phrase. And steady eddy doesn't work in that context. Like, there's so many people working on this program and they obviously couldn't stop you just saying this crap. Well, that, that's it. I, I just imagine that you, whilst he has got those joke writers writing his stuff for him, he'd be like, nah, who needs them? I'm here on an island. I can come up with it myself. And it would lead me to murdering him with a, a, a shell that I sharpened to a nice fine blade. Yeah. Yeah. I think with him as well, there'd be a lot of... Um, stories where he's the hero you know you'd go god it's really tough here right we need to make a plan don't worry i pulled myself up by my bootstraps and i made me the man i am today now <laughs> all right alan but like in this context now what are we gonna do or like you come back with a fish oh that's not good enough blah blah i don't, I don't what what did you do today alan you know just a lot of bluster and not much actual use yeah, exactly. He'd, he'd be telling us about how he, he he took that fish and he turned it into 12 fish down some market in the East End. Yeah. And I'd be like, yeah, but practically we're on Desert Island, Alan. Yeah. So, and he'd probably insist on, is he Lord Sugar or is he Sir Alan? I don't know what he is now. I think Lord now, isn't he? Yeah, because that's above, is that above Sir? I don't know. I think, I think he's above, a Lord. I think yeah. he would insist on, even though it would be just me and him, plus possibly two others, on this desert desert island, he would insist on us using Lord. Yeah, he's not going to let you drop that. Yeah, that that again would contribute to me slicing him up with a razor sharp shell. Yeah, it's like that utter lack of um, not self awareness, but just ability to like, like laugh at oneself. He like, takes himself so seriously, you know, and and kind of you know famously is always blocking people on Twitter for a on tiny Twitter thing. Well, and yeah. I love like Richard Herring always pointed out how. Um, 
on Twitter, he'll always put the Spurs score on Twitter as if, like, if you wanted to know the Spurs score, the best way would be to look up Alan Sugar. <laughs> like, it's like, <laughs> just why don't you realise that, you know, people aren't coming to you for everything like that? It's uh, it's such an amazing character. I think that's it. You're right. And the, the Lord title and, I mean, I don't know him, but you feel like you get to know him through Twitter and through the programme and you just think the over overriding sense of self-importance mm. isn't one of the qualities that you look for in a survival situation yeah yeah he's one of those people who I, I think like you know we haven't really seen that many successes from him but it's almost like people go alan sugar businessman so it's like you know when he had some government role for a while as some kind of advisor and it's like right well he, we do know better businessmen but who do the public think is a businessman? It's like Richard Branson. Yeah, we can't get him. Uh, Dyson, James, the guy does the Hoovers. Yeah, not him either. Okay. <laughs> guy off The Apprentice. Yes, the public will go for that. They know he is a businessman. That, that's it. That's his job. It's on his business card, his businessman. Yeah, that's his superhero. I'm businessman. <laughs> like, that's all you've got, really. But I don't know. Like, is he that good? We don't know. I've not checked up on government. Uh, house to see how he's doing but yeah I, I can only assume he's doing well because yeah he gives off that aura <laughs> okay well that's a good first uh person to be stuck with who's the second person joining you i i, I can't remember his real name it's the guy from the go compare the, the opera singer guy from the go compare adverts because <laughs> you it, again it's just annoying isn't it mm. you you can imagine living on a farm and being woken up by a cockerel at 6am every morning you can imagine this Geo Compario guy just serenading the, the camp with go compare yeah uh, and are we going to keep him in character for the duration of the for this yeah, yeah I think so <laughs> although actually there, there is he started to kind of come out of character now I don't know if you've seen in some of those sort of more recent adverts he is uh the Welsh guy that he is which I'm sure he's a lovely Welsh guy nothing against the Welsh at all I love the Welsh um, I'm I'm googling him now. What's his name? Go compare man. I, th I think it's quite a Welsh name. Go compare man. Hold on. He is called Win Evans. There we go. You couldn't get much more Welsh. Win Evans. <laughs> uh, so he's kind of and he in some of the, the more recent ads, he's himself. Yeah. So he's kind of transcended Go Compare Man, and he is. I, th I think one of the ads that I saw, he was. He was Go Compare Man and himself in a kind of face-off scenario, chatting to himself. Yeah, it's sort of gone meta, hasn't it? It's a bit, it's a... It has. It's gone. It's gone meta. But yeah, I think for this, the the win is probably a very lovely man. Geo Compario is just the most horrid, annoying advertising. I mean, it, it, I, I'd take a meerkat over him mm. if I was going for any annoying advert person. I think he's the pinnacle. Yeah, because even though it would be quite nice to have someone with a musical talent on a desert island with you, I mean, an opera can be, you know, ethereally beautiful, but it can also just be very loud and you're not always in the mood for it. I mean, it would just be always practising again. But, you know, because he's the Go Compare advert, that's the only song he's that's got. That's the only thing he knows is <laughs> to shout Go Compare. Yeah. I'm there stalking some fish with a spear, trying to keep really quiet, and then all of a sudden you hear, Go Compare! Yeah. I, I'm, I'm trying to think of the dynamic bet between him and, and Sugar. Oh, yeah. 
I, I think they would wind each other up, something chronic as well. Oh, absolutely. Put a sock in it with all that shouting. I'm trying to think of some opera kind of bad opera puns that... Um, <laughs> tenor, I wouldn't give a fiver for you. Yeah. That, that kind of... It's a horror scenario. <laughs> oh, awful, yeah. And it's sort of... You wouldn't, I mean, you'd be bouncing between the two of them. You'd get sick of Alan, so you'd go off and talk to the opera singer, but oh, he's too much. So you just, yeah, there's, there's a real rock and a hard place scenario, I think, with with him. This is a really sadistic podcast. <laughs> Having to imagine this worst scenario. I'm sorry. I mean, you can take comfort that, you know, in the real world, you're not stuck with these people. Luton Town have still been promoted. You know, it is okay, and, and it yeah, won't last Yeah, everything's long. good in the world. Yeah. I'm not stuck on a desert island with Gio Campario, Alan Sugar, plus another. <laughs> okay, well, let's find out who the other is then. Well, the other one, I, I thought, I, I don't want to appear to, for it to be all boys on the on the island. And so I was trying to think of a, a female. And I'm sure this person's really nice. In, in fact, she's uh, it's Rachel Riley, the, the countdown person. Okay. It's Again, it's just the, the skill that she brings is maths. <laughs> and whilst maths is great, it's just not needed. It, we, we need something tactile. Someone I need someone who can make stuff. And I mean, you see all these kind of TikTok people who like make things out of, I, I don't know whether it's just my feed, but my, my TikTok and Instagram feed tends to be full of people who've converted a caravan into a, a home mm. and go off to the wilderness and survive there with a pen knife and a lighter. And I just don't imagine Rachel Riley's got that in her locker. She might well, she might well. I might, I might be doing her a huge disservice. She might be out on the Brecon beacons whenever she's not filming. But I've just got the, I've just got the feeling she would just be throwing algebraic equations at me or something. I, I, <laughs> something wholly impractical. Yeah, I don't think I'd have much to discuss with it, with someone who's really good at maths. It's really just such a massive blind spot for me in my life. I, you know, I don't have a, an awful lot of, you know, I don't have a love of numbers or even a, a vague understanding of them that we could sort of go, oh, here's an interesting brain teaser. Uh, try this. You know, she's trying to keep us active, yeah. for, like keep our brains going. You know, good for morale. Like, here, look, you don't you don't want to sort of vegetate. Like, here, come on, let's do some like quick fire rounds and I'll just go, Rachel, I just, I can't. Stop us, yeah, stop us from all going a bit Castaway Wilson. She's she's using a stick in the sand to do basic mathematic equations and mathematical sums and hmm. she's telling us that we have to solve the brackets first and then, did you ever see the these things they put up on social media where, what is the answer to this sum? It's, it's always something like two times three brackets, one minus two. And some people are saying 17 and other people are saying, no, it's 21 because of the order in which you calculate the stuff. And because I've got, I've got two daughters who are going through high school. So we almost having to relearn a lot of the stuff that I learned in high school. And a lot of it is to do with the order in which you work out the sum. So I can just imagine her telling me about they call it bid mass or bod mass oh that rings a bell god i remember that word which is oh. brackets indices divide multiply addition subtraction that's the order in which you and that's why they you get these sums on social media that are put there as a basically as a comment bait for people to put the wrong answer and people to argue why well, their answer is correct but i can just imagine her with a stick in the sand me 
Gio Campario who's given his voice a rest. Alan Sugar, his nurse hasn't brought him his medis- medicine yet. And uh, <laughs> we're all sat there. The sun's going down and Rachel Riley looking resplendent in a grass skirt and a bra made out of two halves of a coconut is using a stick to teach us the correct order of mathematical equations. I, I, I don't know why, and this might be unfair because I don't know the man. I just feel that watching Alan Sugar interact with Rachel Riley is, is going to be problematic in some way. I think it might be a bit old-fashioned. Yeah, I was going to say the kindest way to say it would be old-fashioned. <laughs> yes, the kindest way to say misogynistic is old-fashioned. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you're just constantly be like, you know, like I, I could fetch that for you. I'm in fact much closer to this. Like I could, no, no, don't worry. Or it'd yeah. go the other way where it'd be like, oh, you won't be able to pick that one up, sweetheart. Let him do it. I can imagine him not actually catching any fish or do it, but expecting Rachel to do all the cooking and cleaning because she's the woman. Yeah. He'll try and spear a wild boar but fail massively and Gio Campario would probably scare it away before we even get a chance. But if we were to fluke it, she would definitely be the one that Alan would want cooking it and mm. cleaning up the plates that we've made out of... What would we make plates? Banana leaves, or I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I just... I, I don't think the interaction would be great. No. You know, I do think she seems, on the face of it, like quite a pleasant person. You know, I, I, there's no obvious character flaws that I can see in the way that I could with, you know, the Go Compare guy and Alan Sugar. So I think it would just be unpleasant to watch the, the interaction between the two of them as well. I think be- that's all it is as well. I've got zero, nothing against her at all. I think it's just when you think of her, you think of her main skill set as being maths, which is something wholly unsuitable for survival. Again. <laughs> And also, you're right, that the group dynamic would be awful. (laughs) Exactly. Okay, well, obviously, another important uh, aspect of survival is the food. And mercifully, amongst the wreckage of the plane, there was some food and drink left over. Unfortunately for you, it's your least favourite food and drink in the world. What are they and why are they so bad? I like a lot of stuff, so I did really struggle over this. But I think canned tuna. Okay. Even since childhood, it's always had a bit of a kind of an icky ugh, cat food type. Hmm. And I don't know whether that's, that was, that's the reason, because when I was younger, I had a cat and its food was very similar to canned tuna. Hmm. It might be a mental thing. And it, it's not that bad. I don't mind tuna, steak, lovely, fresh tuna, wonderful. So if we are fishing and we catch tuna i don't know is that possible where where we're located well i don't know i mean i like to think it's a tropical island but obviously a tuna is just quite a beast isn't it they're huge yeah um so i don't know it, it depends how deep you can get i suppose and how strong your makeshift rods and lines are <laughs> my raft yeah. yeah yeah for some reason it's the tinned tuna just really there's something it's something mental it's not it's nothing to do with me not liking fish or it's just something about tin tuna. I don't know what it is. And so if I don't know if our plane crash or boat crash was just one big crate of t- tin tuna, I'm sure I'd get to to love it. But well, I'd, I'd get to tolerate it. But that would be that would be the worst. I mean, I quite like tin tuna, but when I realise how much mayonnaise I add to it to make it palatable <laughs> in a sandwich or like on a on a potato or something, 
I realised then that probably on its own, it's you know, it's it's lacking quite a lot. You know, it needs a lot of like oomph to make it, it needs help to make it interesting. Yeah, and and you know, like we're saying, look, you know, a tuna is this like big, majestic, deep sea fish. You know, they're fast, they're powerful, and you see, you know, like in Japan, they're so kind of revered. You know, there's this deep red, meaty flesh, and they can cost thousands. And then the idea that they're just like condensed down into this sort of greyish meat in a tin that's just on the supermarket shelf seems really unfair to them you know it's yeah, like it's, it, i think that's it as well it's the great is the when you have tuna in sushi lovely when you have a tuna steak lovely when you see the sort of the, you're right it's the gray mush that's kind of in this brine or sunflower oil or whatever it's in you just think uh, yeah I, th- I think that i think that's part part of it for me is the the fact that it's the odds and ends chopped up, mushed up into a packed into a tin, yeah, not not for me. Yeah, it's a real a real step down for a majestic creature, isn't it? <laughs> I think to end up like that, it's it's really unfair. Um, what would you wash it down with? What's your drink choice? My drink of choice is ouzo. Mm. Again, it's not quite a childhood memory. It's more a young adult memory of one of the worst, not hangover, but just like general drunkenness, sickness, and apologies, but the the vomit as well, and Mm. the smell of the vomit, and just everything about it It was just horrific, and I don't think I've touched it since I was 17. There's something about local spirits. If it hasn't made it onto the world stage in its (laughs) own right, you know, like whiskey, okay? It's Scotland's drink. But everywhere's doing it, you know, like people love it or hate it, but you know, it's got around the world and it's accepted. Uzo's still localized, you know. Yeah, you gotta think, what's the reason for that? Yeah, why is that? Like, you know, it's like you go on holiday, like, oh, here's our local spirit. You know, Turns out it's not that nice. If like, you know, if you go to Eastern Europe and your local spirit's vodka, then fair enough. Let's, you know, let's let's hang out. But um, I don't know. There's just these some sometimes they're a bit niche, and you're like, yeah, is it like racky and things like that? And you just think, yeah, there's a reason this hasn't caught on. That, I think that's it as well. It's the it's the tiny bottles of it. But it's like uh, I don't, I remember just getting little bottles of limoncello whenever someone came back from Italy, and you kind of taste that, and it's a bit, <laughs> and it was like, oh no no, everybody has this after their dinner in Italy, really. <laughs> but yeah, Uzo, Uzo's the same. It's the, it's the aniseed. It's the it's that horrible aftertaste, and it's again, it's a mental thing. It's it's associated with uh, drinking too much of it when I was young, being sick, and just the smell being all encompassing. Yeah, it's it's like a difficult one to get back from. Same with sambuca and things like that. I feel like it's slowly dying out, isn't it? Like when I was little, you know, you could go to sweet sh- sweet shop and buy aniseed balls. I don't think they even exist anymore. You know, I think everyone who's ever eaten those have, has kind of found something else or passed away. Yeah, you know? I think and you're right. Aniseed as a thing is dying. Yeah, and I'd not, I'd not thought about aniseed. I've not. When was the last time you thought about aniseed? <laughs> it sounds like a campaign. Stop. Have you thought about aniseed? Yeah. What is aniseed? I guess it's a seed. But is it a seed of the anise? I don't know. Is it just called aniseed? It might be. It's it's the seed of the anise, as in star anise. Aha, uh-huh. yes, of course that makes sense, doesn't it? Of course it does, because star anise tastes like that as well. Yes, and which star anise is used in a lot of Chinese and Eastern cooking. Yeah. 
and I'm fine with it like that. But yeah, it, it feels like things like that and licorice, I just sort of feel like they were useful things before we had better options, you know, like a rich tea biscuit. Like, I don't think it needs to exist anymore because look how many lovely biscuits we've got. You know, I think you have to be struggling before. Before you plump for that, yeah. Yeah, you just think, you know, if you go to someone's house and they've got rich tea, I'm like, what about the other 20 biscuits on the shelves of any shop these days wasn't appealing to you, you know? It is It is the LinkedIn of biscuits. Yeah. <laughs> You've got all of these wondrous things out there and rich tea. I always say that the only use for a rich tea biscuit is if your name is Richard and your surname begins with the letter T and it could be an edible business card. Yeah. Yeah. I had a friend once who, when I was sort of I was slagging off the rich tea biscuit, he was like, oh, I don't know, they're really nice if you spread lemon curd on them. And I was like, Are you, am I talking to you from the 1920s or something? Like, <laughs> what is this? But... Uh, you know, I just think there's better options. And again, with with aniseed as a flavouring, I think I think we've we've come a long way, and I don't yeah. know if we need it that much. So I think it's it's got sitting out the air raid siren in your makeshift bomb shelter vibes. <laughs> yeah, the whole licorice and rich tea and yeah, lemon curd. It's it's. I mean, some things there's an I've got a nostalgia for, but I, but yeah, licorice and aniseed aren't one of them. No, no, fair enough. All right. Now, fortunately, you won't be without entertainment on the island. The plane's entertainment system continues to work, but just your luck, it only has two working settings. One is your least favourite film of all time, and the other is your least favourite song. What are they and why? First of all, my least favourite song is The Going Gets Tough, but the boys' own version. <laughs> that's a very solid choice uh let's get into it um what is it i mean it's kind of obvious what's bad about it but what is it in particular? <laughs> it is kind of obvious but I, when you go through songs that you would hate to have there are so many awful ones like like the crazy frog ringtone or like barbie girl by aqua or baby shark all those kind of stereotypically annoying ones which i could have chosen and you know, rightfully, and I'm sure people will cho choose them. But there's just something about the way that Ronan Keating sings. <laughs> oh, it's like he's, it is like he's trying to force out a poo or something. It's, it's, it's just his voice. It's amazing, isn't it? I mean, it, it's like that kind of, that very, I think they call it a yarl. You know, you get it a lot with Eddie Vedder, you know, that kind of her. Mm. And it's it's like he's taken that into a boy band setting and then he's covering Billy Ocean. He's covering Billy Ocean and he's channeling Pearl Jam and a kind of, it's, I don't know what it is, whether it's kind of an El Elvisy kind of growl and so on. But it just sounds awful, uh, and it's comical. Was it? It might. Have, was it for comic relief? It had a tie-in with something. Yeah, they they did. Did they do it for no no good reason, or did they have a good reason? So I'm I'm just googling it now. I think their good reason was money and fame. <laughs> yes. Oh no, this is the Billy Ocean one, which was for the Jewel of the Nile, the sequel to Romancing the Stone. Oh, I had no idea that was for that. Great movies. Yeah. Come on, Wikipedia. No, I can't. I, I can't seem to find it. <laughs> the world wants us to forget about this. Yeah. For some reason, I thought, oh, that it might have been for Red Nose Day. Okay. I can see the video, and they're holding a big red ball. 
I mean, that might excuse them slightly. Yeah, but they still did a bad job, you know. So yeah, you, I can forgive a novelty song for charity, but it feels like they still took it quite seriously. Yeah, that, it's not a novelty song, is it? They've not they've not addressed it as such. There, there's a kind of almost an a Sh- Alan Sugar esque sense of self-importance when they're singing it like we're going to do the best goddamn cover of this and we're going to our voice is going to be almost like a bad pop singer yeah it's very odd in fact i'm sure i've seen or heard an advert for them where that's been included in there in the sort of you know the selection of songs so i think they still probably stand by it but i think ronan keating always has a bit of that delivery in his voice but it feels really ramps up in that version like he was really just I don't know what it was about that that song because it's not like the original has any of that or maybe he's trying to distance himself from it and make it his own Put his own stamp on it by sounding by like stamping on it he's <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's dreadful that on the island the whole time and then you get Alan Sugar well as I said to you if the going gets tough <laughs> referencing it all the time stop putting it on alan it's bad music and then geo compario trying to sing along but only ever singing go compare yeah occasionally he manages to sing go compare to the tune of yeah so it'd be when the going gets tough it'd be when the go comparing gets tough yeah he just can't get out of his mold <laughs> and i don't know i don't know what rachel right rachel riley would be she'd be doing long division somewhere on the other side of the island I feel like she's someone who would give it the benefit of the doubt and that would also be annoying because I think of all the people you've got, she's the one who you've got the best chance of actually having a normal time with and hanging out with a bit. Yeah, I think so. But I can imagine her going, oh, you know, I, I used to like Boyzone. And you're like, oh, but come oh, on, Rachel. Oh, that's not the point. <laughs> Don't put it on again. <laughs> okay, what would, your, what would your viewing choice be for your film? Well, this one is it's probably controversial, but I've just never... And, and it might be the right time to do it, actually. It might be the right time to try again, because all I've got is time. It's the Lord of the Rings movies. I've, mm. People love them. People, or I'm guessing people love them or they hate them, um, which, which is the same with most things in life. But, yeah, I've, I've never got them. I've ne- which I, I like Star Wars, which is kind of, it, I know it's not the same thing, but it's kind of people love that in the similar way that they love Lord of the Rings. There's a kind of a fandom. Or just ne- never got it. I watched them, watched them at the cinema, never fell in love with them, never really kind of got a bit bored, felt they were too long. But I guess if I am going to watch them, then this would be the place to re-examine them. But they would be my least favourite choices now. But perhaps thinking about it, if I am on a desert island, that would that it might be the, the the chance for them to redeem themselves as a movie franchise. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not a fan, and I feel like if you were stuck with them on a desert island and you thought, let's give them a good, solid go as an adult, you know, with all this time, you would still just think, God, why have I got these long, boring films on the island and nothing else? You know, it's it's because uh, of course we're going to give you the box set. Well, I'd, I'd much rather have the Star Wars box set, even though. It's it's fatally flawed in lots of different areas, but there's enough there that I would happily put up with the Phantom Menace and all the politics, and just because you you know there's enough good ones in there. Whereas I can't say that about Lord of the Rings. I just found it dull. Yeah, I I agree, and it's not like I'm I'm not anti fantasy stuff 
I don't have like a blanket rule about any of these things. Same, I quite like Star Wars, but I don't necessarily like all things set in space or all kind of sci-fi. But everyone was going so mad about it and I just couldn't understand why, you know. And it was when I was at uni and people would be going, oh yeah, we're really hungover, we're all going to go around mine and watch the whole box set. And I was like, but but I'm hungover and I want to hang out with someone, but now, but I'm not, I'm not going to do that because everyone get annoyed at me talking through it and it's just it's <laughs> fucking boring you know so it feels annoying when you're out of step with something but i think lord of the rings is very love it or hate it and with everything that's like that you always get someone who goes well i think it's just all right but i don't i don't think there's many people on the fence with it no you're right I, I, it is what it is one of those things where you, you definitely have a strong opinion either way and i think part of the reason i don't like it might be because people love it hmm and I'm like, mm, no, not for me. And when someone really likes something, it can push you further the other way more. And I think that might be part of it. Uh, yeah, I remember coming out of cinemas and everyone just going wild for it and just thinking, but I want, you know, when you can't get it off your chest after you've seen a film, you've sat through quite a long film and you just want to go, oh my God, that bit, mate. And everyone just goes, oh yeah, no, it was great, wasn't it? And you just, it's so unfulfilled. You've got all this potential energy that never gets released. So. Yeah, sitting there with all of those would be very difficult. And, you know, you're having to explain it all to Alan Sugar the whole time. Go Compare Guy keeps singing through it all. It's And again, I think Rachel will be giving it the benefit of the doubt. I think, actually, she's probably very nice. And I think her niceness might get on my wick Yeah, as well. So, yeah, yeah, it's... it's... It's not a great scenario we're painting here. It could only be made worse with one more addition, which would be, I don't know, some kind of animal. <laughs> okay, well, let's segue neatly into that. The island is overrun by the biggest dick of all the animals. Who's it going to be or what's it going to be? Well, <laughs> when you say the island's overrun, <laughs> the animal is actually tapeworm. <laughs> oh, my God. That's from experience. If you've ever... I don't know if you have children. I do. I have two, yeah. Have they ever had a tapeworm? No. You know, it's weird. I was thinking this. I think just in the last couple of days, I was thinking, I'm sure this is something we'll have to deal with. Because one of the other one of the mums in the playground recently was saying, oh, yeah, you know, my son had worms and we all had to take this medicine. and We had to take the tablets, yeah. And I just think I've got a real phobia of things like maggots or little squirmy things like that. And... If I see my kids itching their bums and I know that I can give them medicine, that's it. But if I actually have to see any of it and deal with that, I'm never going to forget that. So I'm just, I'm quite scared of it. I've seen it. (laughs) And it it is just not pleasant. And I can just imagine it. It's not pleasant in real life, let alone on an imaginary island scenario where it would probably cause you to be malnutritioned and dehydrated but it is just the it's the itchy bum it's the fact that you have to take the medicine it's the fact that everyone in the house whether they've got it or not it's like when one of them had nits you'd all have to have the knit comb and you'd all have to have the shampoo and everybody's bedding would have to be stripped off and all the towels would have to be cleaned and changed and but yeah take take home is it's the same it's just a, and what's the point what is what is the actual point of it I know. Yeah, cuz I get that they're getting something out of it, but it's not like it's not like some things are disgusting but they're also useful. Like, okay, maggots are horrible, but they're performing an important role in decomposition, right? A tapeworm's just out for itself and it's disgusting. It is a parasite. <laughs> so he'd probably get on well with Lord Sugar. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's there's some there's a lot of instances in my adult life where I just go 
fuck, I'm the grown up here. I have to deal with this. And I just think I'm just about to go, hey, can you? Oh, no, no, the buck stops here. I have to deal with it. And the idea of my kids getting worms is one of those one of those scenarios where I just think, fuck, why isn't there another grown? I mean, there is my wife, but, you know, like, why isn't there a level above us who could just come in like, don't worry, guys, you go out for a pint, I'll deal with this. It'll all be dealt with by the time you get back. That should be a service. That should be like Dialer Mum, where they, you just, if you if you were a grown-up, but you still think that you, you're not quite ready for this, your toddler's got an itchy bum, they do a poo, and you see this white thing wriggling around in it, flailing, and you're like, oh, like somewhere, something between a sort of a butler, a nanny, and a handyman, just all rolled into one. That's what I want. Like the other day, I was I was in my garden. I was hanging out washing, and I, it happened a few times. I kept smelling this awful smell outside, and I was like, "Is it drain? It's not drains. It's like a a death smell." And I thought, "Fuck, maybe like a rat's got under the decking or something." But oh, hopefully nature will take its course. But I can't see anything. And then I realized because the grass was really overgrown, and I was like is a fucking horrible dead rat in the garden like and it had been there for like a week and and it was one of those like oh like i'm the grown-up now so i had to like get it on a spade and i sort of chucked it right in the bush at the back of the garden i thought like behind the shed and i thought hopefully or just you know in a week it will have gone away or something and then afterwards i was like oh i should have buried it but then again i can't get it back out again and also like what if something digs it up you know at least yeah we'll see I mowed the lawn, so it was almost like it was completely gone. There was no trace of it. The lawn was all fresh and mowed. My garden looked neat. I looked out the next morning and had my cup of tea, and I was like, oh, doesn't the lawn look nice? I was like, fuck, what's that on the lawn? (laughs) Fucking fox had brought it back again, and I had to do the same thing again less than 24 hours later. I'm like, where's my butler nanny handyman? (laughs) Yeah, that's a service. That's definitely a service. There's an app. There's like an Uber-style app where you can locate the nearest butler nanny handyman, and they're like five minutes away when you need the shed creosoting or you need, uh, yeah, tapeworm sorting out or whatever it happens to be. Yeah, just practical, non-squeamish people. I think you and I have... have, uh, you know, got onto something quite big here potentially, and I'm I'm happy to workshop the idea with you at a later date because I I really need this person. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of people who need that. You're right. It's grown up. It's a it's a proper grown up. Yeah. For for people who think they're grown up but possibly aren't grown up enough, and it's things like if you've cut your hand really badly on a piece of glass, or and you're like, oh, what do I do? What do I do? Or if it's the mains, the electricity, you don't know which one to switch off. Or when I'm obviously, you need a trained electrician when you're fitting lights, but if you're trying to do something yourself, I just think my dad would do that. My dad would know how to do that. <laughs> I, just, I just don't have that skill. I'm not, I'm not practical enough. But you, I think there's, there's a call for that. Well, look, I mean, I think from something that's not potentially that positive, you know, we have created a very positive ending because we've come up with this new new thing which might in years to come save a lot of people's bacon so you know i think we've done well here olaf and uh you know if, if this is the last thing people hear at the end of the podcast then it's it's a positive so uh you know we've come out the other side smiling despite your great choices for an awful awful island yeah i've, I've made an awful time but you're right there's a, a silver lining and you know what back on the mainland i'm sure sugar can help us get this off the ground 
I'm sure Rachel Riley, she can work out the algorithms or, I mean, she can she can be the face of it. Or no, she, she's not really. She's not that good. Who would be the face of that app? Who is that grown-up, responsible, come here, we'll deal with, I'll deal with this? I don't know, but we've got to keep the Go Compare guy away from it because this can't be his new calling. <laughs> At all costs, he's not He's not involved. <laughs> he won't survive. He wouldn't survive a week. Win, Win Evans, I'm sure you're lovely, but you're not surviving a week on my island. <laughs> well, look, Olaf, I think you've done a great job here today. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And uh, obviously, you know, you've got a new book out at the minute and you've got loads of things, loads of irons in the fire. What are you up to at the minute? So I've got a picture book called Blobfish, which is with Walker Books, and that's for kids who are sort of around three to six. I've got two chapter books that are called Trixie Pickle Art Avenger and the follow-up, which was just out, called Art Avenger Toxic Takedown. They're both out with Puffin, and they're for slightly older kids. They're for 7 to 11. And then I'm at the Edinburgh Festival in August, which is going to be lots of fun. Always good fun to go back and do that. Um, I'm doing two shows. One is a family show. Last year, I did a family show for the second time, and it was just brilliant. I had loads of quite a lot of famous people bring their kids along and got really good feedback. It's called Olaf Falafel's Super Stupid Show. And that is going to be at the Pleasance at 11.40. And it is just, it's a mixture of uh, comedy, drawing, some stupid videos, some audience interaction. And there's enough in there that the adults, so the, the, the comedian adults who have brought their kids along have kind of said to me that it was pitched perfectly that it didn't feel like a kid's show. It felt like there was enough in there that they could laugh at in their kind of hungover states. <laughs> so if you are a hungover adult with kids at Edinburgh and you want something that isn't just Baby Shark or anything like this, this is a cut above. So yeah, I'd come along to that. And then I've got, I've got my own show. So I've been putting on my own shows at the Edinburgh Festival. I'm thinking it's been about eight or nine years now. And this one's called Look What Fell Out of My Head. And it, this one is at the Pear Tree at 3.45. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. And again, my shows, it's it's surreal. It's strange. There's jokes. There's audience participation. I've not fully finished the show yet. There might be some kind of thread that runs through it. There might not be. It might just be a series of disparate things. But it'll be fun. And it always is. And I'm quite lucky that I have a returning core audience of fans who will come along and put up with my rubbish <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's that, that's what i'm doing i'm trying to think if there's anything else i've got um i think that's it books and edinburgh <laughs> yeah so if you're in edinburgh go and see either or both of your shows and uh well depending on your age and uh yeah go and read the books as well in the meantime so uh, olaf thank you again so much for coming on desert island dicks today mate it's been an absolute pleasure Thank you. Thanks for having me. And um, thanks for making me think of this awful scenario. <laughs> Cheers. Thanks a lot. And that's it for this episode. Thank you very much for listening. If you do have a moment to leave us a rating or a review where you get your podcast, that would be wonderful. And if you can't, then just tell your friends about us as well, because that would be lovely. 
You can get in touch with us at any time by going to dickspod.com slash contact, uh, especially if you want to leave us a submission for Compact Dicks, which is where we use your submissions to do a little kind of listener-generated episode. But we don't do them very often. But, um, you know, we might do one again soon. We always mean to, and it's one of those things that keeps slipping slipping away from us. But we will do it very soon. So, uh, yeah, send us an email and we'll get you on that way. You can also get in touch with us on social media at Dixpod on Twitter and Instagram. And I think that's it. Dixpod was a sync clap production. It was dreamt up by James Deacon, who also produces it. And it's also produced and presented by me, Dan Benedictus. It was beautifully edited by the quite beautiful Chris Attaway. So thank you for that, Chris. And as always, a big shout to my man, John Deacon. He's not really my man. He's James's dad. But, you know... My man. I think that's it. I'm having trouble talking today, so I'm going to stop. But uh, I'll be back very soon with another wonderful episode. Okay, bye.